I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's the Tuesday after Labor Day, September 6th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, so first of all, I want to apologize for my white girl party voice and shout out to my former coworker, Dewan, for always calling me that. <laughs> but basically lost my voice after a great week one of college football. So this probably will not be the last time you hear my voice like this during football season. But anyway, let's go ahead and get it rolling. So starting with some baseball, the Dodgers beat the Mets this weekend to reach 90 wins. That is the first team to reach that benchmark this season. Cardinals Albert Pujols hit number 694 and number 695 home run this week. Number 694 was against Reds pitcher Ross Dittweiler, which is the 450th pitcher to allow a home run against him. Number 695 was on Sunday night against the Cubs. Pujols is just one home run shy of number four A-Rod on the all time list. I'm sure we'll be keeping you updated with that as we go on with the month-ish left of MLB season. In the third straight game, Yankees Aaron Judge hit another home run. That puts his total at 54 this season. Judge is chasing that 61 figure, which is the single season record for home runs hit, set back in 1961 by Roger Maris. Number 54 led to the Yankees win over the Twins 5-2, and it ties the most home runs hit by a Yankees right-handed hitter. Moving on to some basketball, Cavaliers acquired Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell in a blockbuster trade for three players, three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 27, and 29, and two pick swaps in 26 and 28. 
This adds another all-star player to the already two on the starting lineup, along with the runner-up rookie of the year. The Cavs are ready to be an Eastern Conference contender with the season coming up shortly. The Knicks were pursuing Mitchell before pulling out of the deal, which allowed the Ohio team to swoop in. Oh, and you know what time it is. It's time for week one college football recap. And it what a week one it was. Florida managed to beat number seven and Pac-12 favorite Utah in a nail-biter that came down to literally the final play when Cam Rising threw an interception into Florida's arms and Florida won by three. Number 19, Arkansas showed how much talent number 23 Cincinnati lost in just one year, winning 31 to 24. Number three, Georgia put the beat down, I would say another word, but this is a family-friendly podcast, on number 11, Oregon. They won 49 to 3. Something about opening as the favorite for the Heisman, number two, Ohio State C.J. Stroud had a lackluster performance. Also, another of their starting wide receivers, Smith and Jigba, also did go out for injury, but the Buckeyes did not cover the spread on number five, Notre Dame. They did win, however, 21 to 10. The backyard brawl between West Virginia and number 17, Pitt, lived up to the hype with a close game on Thursday to win 38 to 31. Pitt won it. Number 12, Oklahoma State, which as a Sooner, I love this, had a scare with Central Michigan after pulling their starters, and then they had to come back onto the field, and they only ended up winning by 14. To be fair, they were winning by almost 40 going into the fourth quarter, but they allowed Central Michigan to score that many points, so it was a scary moment indeed. Number six, Texas A&M's QB had some troubles with interceptions, but they got it done in the rain delay, beating Sam Houston 31 to zip. Alabama also shut out the team that they played Utah State. East Carolina missed a PAT to tie the game against number 13 NC State and then got into game winning field goal range, but then missed that too. So North Carolina State did actually win that game. LSU scored with one second on the clock to tie their game versus Florida State, but the PAT got blocked. So the Seminoles won by one point. 62 points were scored in the final quarter of the UNC Appalachian State game, just one point under the quarter record for FBS teams before the Mountaineers failed to get their second two-point conversion, and that would have tied the game. So UNC did come out on top, luckily for Mac Brown. Iowa is going to have a interesting year if they keep doing this, but they won 7-3, to three, which sounds more like a hockey score, over South Dakota State. Now remember, South Dakota State is an FCS team, but they are the number one FCS team. However, Iowa Hawkeyes did not actually score a touchdown to get that score. Their score was two safeties and a field goal. You can't make that stuff up, people. So that's kind of the week one recap. Obviously, there was a ton of other stuff that happened. Go check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for the complete list of all the games that are in the top 25 and their scores. There is another huge story that I have to touch on for college football, though, and it is finally happened. The college football playoff has chosen to expand the playoff to 12 teams. 
That will be the six conference championships ranked highest by the selection committee, then the next six highest ranked teams. The top four highest conference champions will get a bye in the first round. And also the first rounds will be held on campus of the higher seed in that matchup. So basically what this means is there will be two extra games in the college football playoffs. So you will have the four teams that play to get into a game to play the top four seeds, if that makes sense. It's a lot easier to show you in a bracket, but that is how it turns out. So if those top four that were in it every year are kind of mad because you're actually adding an extra game for them, another chance for them to lose, but most likely that will still be the way it works. Also, there will be a minimum of 12 days after conference championship games before the first playoff game and neutral site for the championship and the Bulls will continue most likely as normal. Obviously, more news about all of this will come out shortly, I'm sure, and it, there could be some more of evolution there as well. But that is what the CFP expansion looks like so far. Sticking with football, but going over to the pro side, NFL season starts this weekend. So get ready. Your fantasy draft needs to be done by Thursday. That game starts at 720 on ESPN, and that will be the Bills versus the Rams. If you need a guide on how to run a fantasy football team, go check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, and there was a podcast last year as well. Not to brag, but I did win my fantasy team last year. Comeback queen over here. The Steelers will retire number 32 jersey of Franco Harris in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a link on the blog. This play and Franco are considered to be the turning point for the Pittsburgh team. The ceremony won't be until December 24th, however, at halftime against the Raiders. That will be the 50th anniversary. Harris was part of four Super Bowls and the MVP of Super Bowl IX. He is also in the Hall of Fame as the class of 1999. Number 32 is the only third number to be retired by the Steelers, including Ernie Stautner, number 70, and Joe Green, number 75. We did not have a PGA Tour tournament this week, but for the first time in 19 months, Dustin Johnson has won a golf tournament. However, it was a live golf event this weekend in Boston. It was a successful weekend for the new tour with the PGA Tour having no tournament. The first ace ever to happen on the live tour was this weekend by Matt Wolf and also the first playoff ever. To win, DJ made a 35-foot putt for Eagle on the first playoff hole against Joaquin Neiman and Aribon Lahiri. This win brings home a $4 million check for DJ, which through four events totals $9.96 million for him. Neiman and Lahiri also won $1.8 million for losing in the playoff in their first event ever on the new tour, so not a bad payday. The next live event will be in two weeks. The international team is now set for the President's Cup with Captain Trevor Immelman making his final picks today. Those six at-large picks were increased to eight after number two Cam Smith and number 20 Joaquin Neiman left to go the live tour. The U.S. team is set to be picked tomorrow. So the international team includes K.H. Lee, Christian Bazilnaut, Sebastian Munoz, Taylor Pendrith, Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis, Hideki Matsuyama, Sung J.M., 
Adam Scott, Mito Pieria, Corey Connors, and Tom Kim. 25 dreams came true this weekend after the Corn Ferry Finals. So congratulations to the list of 25 new PGA Tour card holders. That list will be on the blog. A little bit of Olympic sports. Canada defeated the United States in the Women's Hockey World Final on Sunday. They won 2-1. to one. The rivalry continues as Canada has 12 world golds to United States 9. The two have split every world championship since 1990. The Team USA has had the recent success, winning eight of the last 10 meetings. However, Canada got the last laugh this time, winning worlds and winning last year and winning winning the Olympic gold this same year. Germany's President Frank Walter Steinmeier issued a formal apology for the failures that led to the 1972 Munich Olympic attack. The Israeli president and relatives of the 11 athletes killed in the attack met outside Munich in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Palestinian attack. The ceremony took place at the airfield where the botched rescue attempt took place and nine athletes, a West German police officer and five assailants did die. The families of the slain athletes will be given a total of 30 million euros. If you don't know what happened all those years ago, check out the blog. There's a link to a great article that gives a quick synopsis. Also, obviously, we have to cover the U.S. Open. So we had some big names go out during the first round, including Japanese tennis player Naomi Osaka and reigning U.S. Open champ Emma Raducanu. Serena won her opening match in straight sets and then in her second against the number two seed Kontavit, despite having multiple double faults on her killer serve. In the third round, Serena played Australian Tomjankovic and played the longest match she ever has played in U.S. Open history with the first set going 5-7 and the second set going to tiebreakers. The final set was merciless, though. It was one to six game set. And that was the final farewell for one of the greatest ever to play the sport. Two Americans are still in, though. Coco Golf is set to play Francis Garcia. And Pugala faces the number one seed, Polish Schweitek, tomorrow. On the men's side, this is the first time that one of the big three is not in the final for the men's two of the last 18 years for Grand Slams. They have won 80% of Grand Slam titles since 2003. So Federer isn't here because he's recovering from surgeries on his knee. Djokovic wasn't allowed due to COVID vaccination status. And Nadal fell to American Francis Tyfo. This snaps Nadal's 22-match Grand Slam winning streak, as well as his hopes for Grand Slam number 23. The 24-year-old, who is American, but his parents immigrated to the U.S. after leaving war-torn Sierra Leone, lost it in the locker room after he said that LeBron actually tweeted at him. Nadal was also 31-2 against Americans in majors, winning 27 straight since 2005. Reigning U.S. champ and number one seed Medvedev fell to Australian Nick Krijos as well. This is the first U.S. Open without a number one and number two seed to make it to the quarterfinals since 2000. By the way, with all the goat talk going on, did you actually know that Australian 
tennis player Margaret Court actually has the most Grand Slam titles with 24. Serena only has 23. Court won that many and retired in her 30s. She also got married, had a baby, and came back to the sport, winning 24 of 25 tournaments that year. She also won three of four Grand Slams since having her baby, as she pointed out, unlike Serena. Needless to say, Court is a little salty, as she is not mentioned in the media much anymore. This might be due to her rigid Christian beliefs, which led her to oppose same-sex marriage. So naturally, you're not going to be viewed very well in the media today after taking that kind of a stance. Moving along to what to watch this upcoming week, we've got a baseball game on Wednesday, the Diamondbacks at the Padres at 740 on Fox Sports 1, then another one on Saturday, either the Angels at the Astros or the Guardians at the Twins at 615 on Fox, and then Sunday, you can catch the Giants at the Cubs at 7 p.m. on ESPN. As for the top 25 games of the week for college football week two, we start out with game day. Number one, Alabama at Texas. That will be at 11 a.m. on Fox, followed by 24 Tennessee at number 17 Pitt. That will be at 2.30 on ABC. Number 25, Houston will play Texas Tech. That is a rematch from last year at 3 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then number 20, Kentucky plays newly ranked number 12, Florida. So Florida went from not ranked to number 12. They will play at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Florida is favored four and a half points. And then number nine, Baylor will play at number 21, BYU. Provo is a hard place to go in and play. Also, the Bears will play at 9.15 p.m. BYU is favored three and a half points. Like I said, the NFL is back and starts on Thursday. The Bills at the Rams at 720. That will be on NBC. Then on Sunday, we have nine games at noon on either Fox or CBS, depending on where you're located and what games is. It depends on where your geographical location is. So we've got the Saints at the Falcons, the 49ers at the Bears, the Eagles at the Lions, and the Jaguars at the Commanders. Remember, that's Washington on Fox. Then the CBS games are Steelers at the Bengals, Patriots at the Dolphins, Ravens at the Jets, the Browns at the Panthers, or the Colts at the Texans. Then on at 3.25 p.m. on Fox, you can either catch the Giants at the Titans or the Packers at the Vikings. On CBS, same time, 3.25, you can catch either the Chiefs at the Cardinals or the Raiders at the Chargers. That night, the Buccaneers will play at Cowboys Stadium versus the Dallas Cowboys at 7.20 on NBC. And rounding out week one, the Broncos at the Seahawks on Monday night, 7.15 on ESPN. Moving along, we're just going to skip to tennis because Tuesday, today, the U.S. Open quarterfinals will start. That is at 11 a.m. this morning and 6 p.m. on ESPN. On Wednesday, you have more quarterfinals continue. That will be at 11 a.m. on ESPN and 6 p.m. on ESPN. Then on Thursday is the women's semifinals. That will be at 6 on ESPN. Friday, you can catch the men's doubles championship at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. And then later that night, the men's semifinals at 6 p.m. on ESPN. The women's championship will be held on Saturday. You can catch that at 3 on ESPN. And finally, to round it out, Sunday, the men's final championship at 3 on ESPN. 
That wraps it up for me this week. Football is back, both college and NFL now. And then also with the U.S. Open, we've got a lot of sports going on. It was a wonderful farewell to Serena over this past week. So thank you to the GOAT. Again, sorry for my voice. If you want more information, please check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. And I'll catch you all next week.